I've been honored to be part of a number of charitable uh, organizations and events, and uh, the one I'm so proud of is that I was invited to be the MC for Shine a Light on the Queen for eight years. This will be my ninth year as opening MC. This is a great concert. Saturday night, 43 songs, 71 great musicians, and one hack. And uh, all the proceeds go to these six organizations that provide music lessons and instruments for kids who can't afford it. Now, imagine my surprise as I'm at a rehearsal for this. I'm in total awe and admiration of all these awesome regional musicians. Delaware has more great musicians than Philadelphia, and we've got fewer people. It's all true. So imagine if you're there, and you're there for all these rehearsals, and you see this guy, and you realize, oh, my God, it's it's that guy. Let's see if I can bring this up a little bit here. I want you to know that exactly who I'm talking about. So the theme, the theme for uh, Shine a Light this year is 1984, and we're not allowed to mention any of the songs on the set list. But good Lord, uh, on the phone right now is Keith Mack. He is a founding mem- member of Scandal with Patty Smythe. He's also toured with Cindy Lauper. I saw him there, and I thought, oh, my God, I've seen him in Rehoboth. Keith, it's Rick. Thanks for being on, man. Happy to be here. So I'm watching that video, by the way. Uh, <laughs> goodbye to you, Patty Smythe, your band Scandal. I'm thinking, you look so fresh and clean back there. What cute kids. <laughs> <laughs> we were young. Yeah, how old were you? years old. 23. 23. Man. Yep. No, crazy. Uh, I just moved to New York City that year. Yeah, and? I ended up playing in that band. I mean, I moved up in January and started that record in May. So, so uh, that's, I, that's I amazing. Lucky. I know you had, there's another guitarist, uh, and then you guys have started this thing. And, and how did you get uh, Patty Smythe in on this band, The Scandal? What was the, uh, how did it form? Well, they had been together before that. I, I actually replaced Ray Gomez in the band and, and Benji King, who ended up being my roommate when I moved to New York City, who I just met at a party up there to somebody. Um, he, he, he replaced Paul Schaefer as a keyboard player in the band. <laughs> really? Paul Schaefer went on to do went on to do the Letterman show. Yeah. So there'd been there there'd been some different people in the band, but just through through Benji and through some other people that knew Patty and Zach. I just kind of went in. I mean, the first thing I did was play the guitars on Goodbye to You. That's so, which so I went, you know, I mean, it just kind of happened quickly. Now, uh, I see the credits uh, for these songs, so many hit songs, being Scandal, comma, Patty Smythe. So did everybody have a hand in writing these hit songs? I wrote songs on the on the second record, the Warrior record. I had like three songs on that record. But when one, when, you know, once I, when I got in the band, they kind of had the material for that first record. 
we actually recorded a lot more songs. It ended up being an EP, which was a bit of an odd thing at the time. Mm-hmm. There were only, I think, five songs, on it, but we recorded probably a dozen songs. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, following the history of the band scandal and the, and the a huge a top 40 hits uh, that you guys had all created, like so many bands, unfortunately, after a short number of years, there seems to have been a falling out, and at one point towards the end, the original members were you and Patti Smythe. Or am I getting that wrong? Yeah. yeah, that's true then, right? Yeah. Yep, pretty much. What happens? What, uh, I mean, it's not just that band, well, but d- what happens? D- d- different things happen. One, one thing that happened for us, when we were doing the Warrior record, Billy Idol was in the other room doing the Rebel Yell record, or whatever that record was called. I think it was. And Tommy Price was our drummer. He wasn't even the drummer on the first record. Uh, a different guy was on there. We had Tommy on the, the Warrior record, but Tommy ended up playing on the song Rebel Rebel Yell and maybe some other things on that record. A lot of it was a drum machine. And he ended up playing, going off and playing with Billy Idol after that. No kidding. Wow. So well, that, that, that was the, that story. And then there, there are different stories with the other with the other guys. You know, but it did just end up being me and Patty and, and some different people through, through the last years of the band. Yeah. Um, you and I were talking off the air on the phone the other day, and... Uh... And I find it amazing. You go to New York, you meet a bunch of people. I was a fan of this band called Dust way a long time ago. It was yeah. like 1973, yeah. right? It was this, uh, this you know, heavy metal, long, drawn-out thing. And they had a bass player named Kenny Aronson. This guy performed a bass guitar speed lead in that thing that I had never heard before. Turns out it became historic inside the, you know, the music industry. And with that band, the drummer became Marky Mark of the Ramones. The uh, the guitarist became one of the co-producers of the first Kiss album. And I was shocked. Yesterday, you were, we were talking, and you even said the name Kenny Aronson before I did, talking about that band. And you know this guy, right? Yeah, I met him right when I moved to New York in 1982. Somehow, we, we actually played in a band called The Funsters, which is now a band that we have that we continue with that name and play down here in, in Lower Delaware and, and all around. But anyway, a guy named Pat Cowden had a band called The Funsters up there, which just was basically musicians that weren't in town, that weren't, weren't touring at the time. We just played for fun. And he was the bass player in that band. And I played, ended up playing guitar for years in that band as well. And Kenny and I did a lot of projects throughout the 80s and 90s. You know, studio um, and, and live things. I, I once uh, got a chance to play, oh, not to, but to talk with uh, Bones Malone. Um, and he was with the Letterman Band. You mentioned the Letterman Band. And I asked him, mm-hmm. how, how do you get to that level? And he said, well, you never say no. If somebody <laughs> asks you to play, you never say no. You always say yes. And what I'm hearing from you in this conversation is you're mentioning a lot of musicians who have become uh, quite successful at different levels because they keep saying yes. Is that your story, too? I guess pretty much. I mean, you know, I, there, there were times in New York when I was playing, and I don't know how many bands at the same time. That doesn't mean you're that active. You just do like showcases with the band and maybe record songs in the studio. So you're working on all these different projects. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you had the time to do it, and 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 you see what, what it ends up working out. By the way, folks, so, if you yeah. just if you just tuned in, it's uh, Keith Mack, who uh, also has his own music to sell. We'll talk about the music business as well. Uh, who's a uh, you know, founding member of Scandal with Patti Smythe. And then, of course, uh, like many, many bands, it kind of uh, fades away, but you kept touring uh, with other iterations of the band. And, and then you toured with Cyndi Lauper? 
Well, yeah, I did that fairly recently. I did that about 10 years ago. I was with her for three or four years. Yeah. So, yeah, and I was I was here in Rehoboth when I got got called for that gig. So, how do you get the phone call? What is who makes that phone call? And how do they know? Hey, we got to call well, that I guy. Can, I'll tell you, the guy that engineered the Warrior record, Bill Whitman. He's been with Cindy Lauper for many years. He he produced, co-produced. You know, girls just want to have a fun and all that. She's so unusual. She did that record, and I, so Bill's been a friend of mine. He's hired me to play guitar on things through the years as a you know, session guy, and he's played bass with Cindy since probably the late 90s. And so he's a kind of a musical director or whatever, and they needed a guitar player, so he called me up. What's your uh, background on, on music education, your personal music education? Uh, self, self, self-taught, just self-taught. I, you know, it's funny, I almost went to Berkeley and I, w- I went up there and checked it out in the late 70s, thought I might do it. I had a friend that was going to school up there. And I, when I got there, I just had the feeling if I went to that school, I'd end up being a music teacher or something, maybe. Yeah. So I just wanted to move to New York and be a musician <laughs> and give it a go. You can, can you get in a studio and sight read music playing guitar? No, I, I, can, I can read charts, you know, a chord chart. But usually when they bring into the studio as a guitar player, particularly, they want you to come up with something. Yeah. You have to come up with a part and be creative and give them, you know, they don't, they don't generally have it written down for guitar players in particular. So you're reading. There's, you're, certain, there's certain styles of, excuse me, there's certain styles of music that they do do that, but not rock or, you know, or pop or whatever. Understood. Uh, some of the best session musicians just make stuff up. They, all of them do. Yeah. <laughs> really. yeah. <laughs> they all do. Yeah. So <laughs> they get paid for. <laughs> so I want folks to know that uh, that I first met Keith years ago. I uh, I don't know, seven years ago, eight. I don't know. Was it? Yeah. I guess it was. Wow. You were down in in Rehoboth, and uh, and I was walking up this place to the boardwalk. I was going to go have lunch uh, with my wife, and uh, a late lunch, <laughs> very late lunch, I think. And, and I heard someone playing finger style guitar, which of course is, is something that I'm really, uh, I really admire, and I, tr- I try to do myself. And I, I thought, I said to Lori, th- "This is extraordinary. Let's go see who this guy is." So we went in there. Uh, each got a bourbon, old fashioned, I think. Sat down and watched and listened, ah, and it was you. Nice. And and it was you, <laughs> and it was fantastic. So it's not like you're just in there saying, "Okay, uh, I got my Stratocaster, and I'm going to rip off uh, some licks, some arpeggios, something like that, whatever, or cool chords." No, you're uh, you've actually expanded in uh, your playing, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I've really, really been into the finger style thing for more than twenty years now, I guess, and I I spend a lot of time, you know, ask my wife. I sitting around playing guitar, you know, still just working on things and writing songs. It's just been, it's fun. I enjoy doing that as much as anything, really. So the finger style, how many songs, whether it's finger style or otherwise, um, have you written and recorded? I, gosh, I don't know. I I would have to count. (laughs) Okay. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) So let me me talk about another Delaware legend. We have a lot of Delaware legends, but Ed Shockley is certainly one of them. Uh, Very well known, especially in southern Delaware. And uh, he's he's also uh, played with some uh, fairly big names. So you guys got together. You did an album, I think, called Cries a while back. And uh, and you guys have been playing together, right? 
Yep. I, I knew him since Jack of Diamonds in the 1970s. They were playing with my bar band, Eighth Day, in Delaware. They were Jack of Diamonds was the biggest band probably in Delaware at the time. And his band, he's a little bit older than me. His band would let my band come up on stage and kind of audition in clubs like the back of the rack in Ocean City and, you know, different places. And then we'd get in there. So I've known him for a long time. And he moved to New York a year or two after I did in 1980. Well, I moved in 1982. He probably was 83 or four mm-hmm. moved up there. And then uh, we got, he got involved in this band Cries. And, and after, it was right after Cries, after Cries, right after Scandal for me. And he asked me to get involved. And they got, we got signed to BMG and did a record that came out. Then ended up coming out in the U.S., came out in Europe, though, and did okay in Germany. And, you know, then we, so we did that. Wow. You mean to tell me that we got a couple of Delaware guys who are the David Hasselhoff of rock in Germany? <laughs> well, we're not like, <laughs> we're not as big as David Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah. He's huge in Germany. I know yeah, that. I know, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> he, he is. That was a funny thing, really. And kind of, I think it was only Germany for him. So uh, you now, I happen to know because you told me before, and uh, if you didn't want me to say this, too bad. Um, but you have like thirty songs or forty songs that you've recorded that uh, you were hoping would be picked up, they weren't, and, and yeah, because the music industry has really changed. So you write great songs, great music. But the music industry has changed, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that and what it means, especially for young and, uh, you know, ambitious musicians. Well, the one obvious first thing that's really tough for everybody is pe- people don't really pay for music anymore. I mean, you know, I'm sure you read about it all the time. You see people that have maybe millions of hits on, on these, you know, different things, Spotify and whatever, and really get paid nothing, very little. And people used to actually, there was a dream of making good money if you had a successful record. And that's kind of gone. As far as selling records, you can make money other ways, touring and, you know, playing live, which is expensive and not so easy to do as well, though. So it's well, a different, well, what are, a different now, world now. The Spotify is ripping people off. Uh, I've heard that from a number of different musicians. Um, is there any platform online that's really beneficial for musicians? Well, Bandcamp pays a little better, and yeah. I have my music on Bandcamp. If anybody out there wants to check it out, yeah. But but um, it's just different, you know. Now, I mean, the internet just really changed everything, and once that happened, there was no going back. And the quality is a lot worse too. MP3s are uh, they basically, in my vernacular, they chop off the yeah. high end, they chop off the bottom end, and you got mostly mid range, and it's not nearly as robust as a CD, and not nearly as robust as a clean, pristine. Uh, 33 and a third RPM vinyl record on a really good system. You're buying uh, lesser quality or just downloading it for free. And I I wonder, um, where have all the audio files gone? Well, you can get better than MP3 quality digital recordings, you know, as we talked about, like WAV files or or whatever. But digital still is just a, a different sounding thing. There's some people, you know, who want their analog and they want their vinyl and all that, you know, the real audio files. So I want to ask you this. I want to get back into what you're talking about touring. You know, you make your money touring now, um, not so much in album sales. I was actually quite interested in a, uh, an interview I, I heard from a, uh, a major R&B uh, slash rap artist who said they had like a billion downloads and made $42,000 off Spotify. I thought, man, that's not good. 
so I can see why so many of these uh, you know pop stars and rock stars yeah. are, are angry about that sort of thing. But but as a performer, as a live performer, as a studio performer, is there anybody that you really really wish uh, you could work with, either in studio or on tour? It hasn't happened yet, but gosh, you really want to work with that person, whoever it is. Hmm, that's interesting. I haven't been asked that question, and I haven't really thought about that. I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, if, if there's one person to say, I don't know who it'd be. It'd be nice to work with Paul McCartney. Right. Don't you think? You know? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> At least for the resume. Very cool. Yes. So, uh, I, so I met him like 10 years ago. <laughs> and tell us about that. He was a super nice guy. It was funny. We, we had done a scandal gig out in Long Island at this club that we played every summer, just like 10 years ago. And Patty and John were friends with Lauren Michaels. And he had us over after the, the gig and had food and everything. It was just the band and Lauren and his wife and another friend of Lauren's who happened to be a, a childhood friend of Johnny Winters, which was weird. Went to school with him. Okay. But we're, well, I'm sitting on the couch talking to Lauren Michaels. And I look, look down, his cell phone rang that said Paul McCartney. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and literally 10 minutes later, he, he got on the phone, you know, Lauren did it with him. And 10 minutes later, Paul showed up with his new, I guess his new wife or whoever it was. Yeah. And hung, out, and hung out with us that night. Nice. So it was pretty pretty cool. Right. He was very nice. He, you know, he he knew we were a bit all starstruck, I guess, but he was cool about it. So, so. Uh, we got to talk about this uh, the show on uh, Saturday night. It's uh, Shine a Light on the Queen for the Light Up the Queen Foundation. Benefits a half dozen nonprofit organizations that provide music lessons and instruments for kids who can't afford it. Tickets are seventy-five bucks general admission, and they go up and up and up and up for years. I got the uh, the VIP tickets, and it's a big number. But you get open bar, you get it's like three hundred bucks. You get the open bar, and and food and mm. a place to sit and and hang out, and everything goes to charity. And once again, even Keith Mack does not get paid. That's <laughs> no one, no <laughs> one gets paid. Correct. Now we're not allowed to say what song you're playing. Uh, but all I can say is the theme of the evening is 1984, and yeah. we're not going to say anything more about that. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be a great evening. And, it, you know, you talk about being uh, starstruck and seeing Paul McCartney. i got to tell you, I saw you. I said, oh, my God, it's Keith Mack. I can't believe this. Yeah. You know? So that was very cool for me. And it's very cool for me to actually uh, chat with you on the, on the uh, program as well. And I appreciate that. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. So next time you see Paul, tell him that you and he should both be on my program for a yeah, conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah, like you'll remember that. <laughs> All right. Oh. Thanks, Keith Mack of the great band Scandal and has played with so many great musicians. Going to be uh, one of the many really awesome musicians Saturday night at Shine a Light on the Queen. It's this huge charity concert, 43 songs. 71 great musicians, one hack. It's going to be four hours of great music. And what I'd like you to do is buy tickets. It benefits these six different organizations that help kids who uh, want to learn music and stay off the streets. It really is a, a guiding light for so many kids because it gives them this creative outlet that they couldn't afford. Music, mu musical instruments, it's great. And, uh, and maybe even something else in the performing arts. Go to... You ready? I do want you to remember this, please. Go to lightupthequeen.org, lightupthequeen.org, and then you just click on Shine a Light, 
The theme is 1984. Good luck getting your hair that big again. <laughs> and if you want to dress up like it's 1984 all over again, uh, you're actually encouraged to do that. It's going to be a great time. And thanks, Keith, for being on.